render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. The words I will address to you today are spoken in the context of a divided nation, a divided church, and I would assume a divided parish. And you have presumably become accustomed to prelates, be they cardinals, archbishops, bishops, and priests, giving conflicting teachings. And this is a cause of scandal for the faithful, for some will be led astray by false teaching, and all are left with a greater duty and unfair burden of discerning for themselves whether they recognize in the words of their pastor the voice of the Good Shepherd, or the sound of the roaring lion, the devil, seeking souls to devour. If today you would not accept what this pastor says, at least in its essentials, it could only be because you do not hear in him the voice of the Good Shepherd, but rather of the roaring lion. And in that case, you might rightly choose to walk out in the course of this homily. Cardinal Tobin, the Archbishop of Newark, New Jersey, when asked if a Catholic could vote for Joe Biden in the upcoming presidential election, replied, I think that a person in good conscience could vote for Mr. Biden, and frankly, in my own way of thinking, I have a more difficult time thinking about the other option. On the other hand, prelates such as Cardinal Burke, Archbishop Vigano, Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, and priests such as Father James Altman of La Crosse, Wisconsin, Father Edward Meeks, a priest of the Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter in Towson, Maryland, and many others are very clear about the opposite, that a Catholic cannot vote for Mr. Biden, and that to do so could amount to mortal sin. The only way you could come to the same conclusion as Cardinal Tobin is if you ignore the glaring fact of the over 60 million abortions committed in this country since Roe versus Wade, and that Mr. Biden, together with Senator Kamala Harris, are avowedly pro-abortion. During that admittedly awful presidential debate, Mr. Biden pointed an accusing finger at President Trump as he said, you want to overturn Roe versus Wade. To which my response would be, well, wouldn't that be a good thing, be an answer to prayer? Mr. Biden has stated that if by some chance the Roe versus Wade decision were to be overturned by future judges on the Supreme Court, he would see to it that taxpayer-funded abortion on demand at any stage in the pregnancy and even beyond would be the law of the land in accordance with his party's 2020 platform, which states, Democrats, and notice it's not the party, it's an exclusive term. If you're a Democrat, this is what you're signed up to. Democrats are committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health, rights, and justice. We believe unequivocally that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services including safe and legal abortion. We will restore federal plan funding for Planned Parenthood. In other words, they will make you and I pay for abortions, which provides vital preventive and reproductive health care, in other words, abortion, for millions of people. Democrats oppose restrictions on medication abortion. That's the plan B after, you know, morning after treatment, I guess. Um, 
restrictions on medication abortion care that are inconsistent with the most recent medical and scientific evidence and that do not protect public health. Dear friends, science tells us that from the moment of conception, there is a unique, irrepeatable, individual human being. Abortion does not protect public health. It kills a child and harms women. Mr. Biden's party's platform continues, Democrats believe every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to women's reproductive health and rights, including by repealing the Hyde Amendment and protecting and codifying the right to reproductive freedom. Again, taxpayer-funded abortion with no questions asked. It goes on, Democrats will always protect sexual and reproductive health and rights. We believe that comprehensive health services, including access to reproductive care and abortion services, are vital to the empowerment of women and girls. Note the loaded Marxist language of empowerment and the inclusion of girls. We will also restore and expand American contributions to the United Nations Population Fund to help guarantee access to health care for women and children around the world. This means promoting abortion in the third world, including the forced abortion programs enacted in China, all in keeping with the eugenicist philosophy of Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, who desired the elimination of the black population and other groups she considered a burden on the human race. By contrast, the platform of the other party, rolled over from 2016, states, we oppose the use of public funds to perform or promote abortion or to fund organizations like Planned Parenthood, as long as they provide or refer for elective abortions or sell fetal body parts rather than provide health care. We call on Congress to enact a ban on any sale of fetal body parts. We will not fund or subsidize health care that includes abortion coverage. The same party's platform calls for the imposition of appropriate civil and criminal penalties on health care providers who fail to provide treatment and care to an infant who survives an abortion. We strongly oppose infanticide, it says. It supports pain-capable unborn child protection acts at state level, prohibiting abortion after 20 weeks, the point at which current medical research shows that unborn babies can feel excruciating pain during abortions, and we call on Congress to enact the federal version. We support state and federal efforts against the cruelest forms of, of abortion, especially dismemberment abortion procedures, in which un unborn babies are literally torn apart limb from limb. We call on Congress to ban sex selection abortions and abortions based on disabilities, discrimination in, in its most lethal form. I note in passing that Judge Amy Coney Barrett's, now there's an empowered woman if there was one, her youngest child has Down syndrome. We oppose embryonic stem cell research. We oppose federal funding of embryonic stem cell research. We affirm the dignity of women by protecting the sanctity of human life. Numerous studies have shown that abortion endangers the health and well-being of women, and we stand firmly against it. Dear friends, I'm not making a political address. 
but pointing to a moral imperative. There are many issues on which we can have differing opinions. Catholics in good standing can differ in their views on immigration, health care, on how to relieve poverty, climate change, foreign and economic policy, and other matters concerning human solidarity. But abortion is a most grievous offence against such solidarity, for the unborn are among society's most needful members. The right to life is a paramount issue because, as Pope St. John Paul II said, it is the first right on which all the others are based and which cannot be recuperated once it is lost. If a candidate for office refuses solidarity with the unborn, he has laid the ground for refusing solidarity with anyone. In addition to the scandal of division among the pastors of the Church, it is particularly scandalous today that the most prominent Catholic politicians are the most anti-life. Such Catholics are truly wolves in sheep's clothing. They insinuate themselves into the flock, wearing the coat of sheep, professing to be Catholic, yet underneath they are wolves, dissenting from the most essential matters of divine law, such as the sanctity of the lives of the unborn, the sanctity of marriage as a union between a man and a woman. Let us remember that Catholic Joe presided at a same-sex so-called marriage in the White House when he was vice president. As such, he and others not only fail to render to God the things that are God's, but act as Caesar's usurping power over the things that are God's. The same Jesus who urged us to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's also promised his disciples that Caesar would persecute them and condemn them to death. And in his own ears rang the words of his own people who shouted, We have no king but Caesar. And God himself was condemned to death. We must never put our trust in princes, but the irony should not escape us of a non-Catholic man, even a man with a questionable past, even a man whom one might not like, coming to the defense of Catholics such as Amy Coney Barrett, in whom the dogma lives loudly, praise God, and protecting the little sisters of the poor from the Obamacare mandate that would have required them to include contraceptive and abortion services in the health coverage provided to their employees. The King Cyrus of today's prophecy from Isaiah was not of the people of Israel. He was a Persian king, a Gentile. The kings of Israel, like so many of our so-called Catholic politicians, were unfaithful to God, and God punished their infidelity with the exile of the Israelites in Babylon. We hear today the Lord speaking to Cyrus, For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen one, I have called you by your name, though you knew knew me not. You are not one of my people. God anointed Cyrus, a pagan king, as his chosen instrument to bring the Babylonian exile to an end by decreeing that the temple of Jerusalem should be rebuilt and that the Jews be allowed to return to their land. During the time of the Holocaust, do you think the people of Auschwitz or Dachau had any excuse for ignoring the trains that daily passed through their cities? Did they not know that millions of people considered to be less than human were being transported to their deaths in concentration camps throughout Germany and Poland? 
Do they not wonder at the smoke and ash from the incinerators that could not keep up with the daily murders perpetrated by the Nazis? If they had some excuse, we have none for cooperating in the killing of over one and a half thousand innocent human beings in this country every day. We have a grave moral duty to resist those who would perpetrate this crime. We certainly cannot cooperate in putting them into power. The reason that prompted this homily is that a parishioner asked me recently, can I vote for Trump? To turn Cardinal Tobin's response on its head, let me reply. A Catholic in good conscience could vote for Mr. Trump, and I would have a more difficult time thinking about the other option. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's.